Old school, where are you at? What you know about Cameo? Oh, Cameo. All right, I can I can rock with this. Anyways, this is Jake with Radio Wonderland. What is going on in the news? As I start to spark up my cigar and take some time to ramble through the news stories. Man, NDRE, I'm seeing her all over the place. Okay, now, first off, I'm thinking that this Joe Rogan story has definitely, it's it's ran its course, right? I mean, how many times can we just keep going back and forth and back and forth about the Joe Rogan? We get it. The artists are pissed that Joe's getting one hundred million dollars, and they're and they're not. And that the okay, hold on, what is this? India Re? She's all over the place this morning. What is India Re saying? Huh? Hey y'all, I'm gonna leave a short message here about why I decided to why I decided to ask my music be pulled off of Spotify. Okay, I'm listening. I'm so listening. Check this out. Like, you know, the nigger thing. Yeah. Saying the word nigger. Oh, uh, you've already said nigger. D is just like nigger. Saying nigger. She's calling you a nigger. It's like this boy that he's a nigger and starts calling them niggers. Or oh. nigger. There should be a word like nigger, especially like the word nigger. That's our nigger. About niggers. Oh, he says nigger. Guy, a nigger. And then our niggers start saying nigger. Uh, use the word nigger. Out the word nigger. Say nigger. Word nigger. Say nigger and he couldn't say nigger. Oh, she's a nigger. fire this morning. I empathize with the people who are leaving for the COVID disinformation reasons, and I think that they should. I also think that Joe Rogan has the right to say what he wants to say. I also think that I have the right to say what I want to say. So as an artist, yeah, you do. Builds, Spotify is built on the back of the music streaming. So they take this money that's built from streaming and they pay this guy $100 million, but they pay us 0.003% of a penny. Just take me off. I don't want to generate money that pays this. Just take me off. That seems fair enough. That's where I'm at. And I know that uh, I'm actually, to be honest with you, surprised that my statements were picked up because I thought people weren't really going to listen to me because that's what I'm the kind of that's what I'm used to from the industry. But I'm glad that I am being heard. And for that reason, I want to clarify my statements again. This is why. Watch this. OK, OK. No white people it says, OK, take me to this one. And the guy goes, okay. I goes, that in a good neighborhood? He's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Guy barely speaks English. He takes us there. We get out and we're giggling. Oh, we're going to see Planet of the Apes. We walk into Planet of the Apes. <laughs> oh, shit. We walked into Africa, dude. We, we, we walked in the door and there was no white people. Says, oh, okay, so we know how social media can be. Things can be doctored. People are taken out of context. It's happened to me many times. However, I want to be clear in no uncertain terms where I stand on this is that he shouldn't even be uttering the word. Don't even say it under any context. Don't say it. That's where I stand. It's my right to stand there. I have always stood there. I have other feelings about it, but those are nuances that are not meant for this moment. He shouldn't even be saying it. And so the confluence of energies comes into play here. So now we have this person who was offensive to a lot of people, who's paid $100 million. Spotify, the backbone of Spotify is the music. So you pay the musicians that are the backbone of your business. 0 0.003 to 0.005% of a penny. And you take this money that, and you take this money that you generate over here because all the rest of it goes somewhere. The subscription fees go somewhere. So you take this money that's generated over here and you use it to invest in this guy. Do what you want. But take me off. Or 
pay me too. And I don't just mean me, I mean us. Artists like me, pay us too. Pay podcasters of color too. So Artist Relations from Spotify called me yesterday and they asked me what I want and I've been thinking about this all night. I'm not gonna say it all here, but what I wanna say to you is something that I already knew, but I want you to know that they said it last night. Most of the streams on Spotify are black music, but we know that- I'd agree you, with that. If you're paying attention at all, you understand the role of black music in this world. So that's a deeper nuance. There's the musicians, there's the black music that is the backbone of the whole music industry. That's the backbone of Spotify too, who are historically underpaid and mistreated and all this stuff. Just there's a historical context here that makes all this matter. And then there's this guy and you take this money and you pay this guy who says this stuff? No. And so it took Anil Young to open the door for someone like me, but I walked through it because I've been standing at this door for a long time. One of the hashtags I put on my post, the written one was, what if we all leave? And that's what I'm trying to see if we could get to happen. What if we all leave? Then we can start having a conversation. It can go from a conversation to a negotiation. So that's where I'm at, y'all. And I'm going to get into my day. Oh, damn. Uh, well, I mean, I cannot fault her at all for what she's saying. She's very, she's laying it out there very eloquently. Now, the question is, I think the most uh, concerning point there is when uh, she had the clip of Joe saying that he walked into Planet of the Apes. Uh, obviously, that was derogatory. Now, I was watching this. I, I know you guys don't have the visual, but these were very old shows from Joe Rogan. But that doesn't change the fact of whether it was said or not. All the clips that were taking with no context of him saying the N-word, well, that's a whole different debate. Her opinion is, is that word should never come out of his mouth in any context whatsoever. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't agree with that. I mean, I, I, I don't think, well, it's hard to tell. It's so out of context. I don't know how he was saying the word. It didn't appear like he was just saying the word in conversation. He was telling stories where people were using that word. That's my assumption. I don't know. I'm going to give him a, I'm going to, I'm I like, who am I to judge? <laughs> um, you know what's, you know, what blows my mind. What blows my mind on this is Spotify, when they're getting ready to sign this guy for $100 million, why didn't they get a bunch of interns out there to scrub his past? Because you know, at some point in some time, all this stuff's going to come up. Um, It's old. I mean, well, I, I don't think, I think Joe would be a little bit more hesitant to say those now, but does that justify it? Be just because he's making so much money because he is in the spotlight uh, would he censor himself more than what he used to? Do I believe Joe Rogan is a racist? No. Do I believe that the statement of that he was, it, it was real quick in there, but they said going to see Planet of the Apes. See, he was being a joke. It was kind of hidden there. It was a group of guys. They were going to see Planet of the Apes and they ended up in Planet of the Apes in the whatever theater. Now, I see him linking the two together to make a joke. 
Was it appropriate? No. Should he apologize for that? Yeah, I think he he should apologize for that. Under today's under today's scenario of how things are going, uh, that's unacceptable. And I believe Joe Rogan of today would know that that's unacceptable. But who knows when this was? This was these were old, old, old shows. I mean, these were like shows that he was doing on um on like on like Skype or something with Joey Diaz on another you know camera and stuff. <sighs> I don't know. But I'll tell you what. Regardless of that, regardless of whether or not Joe Rogan, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Joe Rogan's got a lot of clips out there that when taken out of context can be bad. And that one appeared like it is bad. It was a bad joke. It was a tasteless joke. But India Ari, I think she was pretty eloquent in what she's saying. Obviously, with her, it really has not too much to do with the the whole misinformation from Joe Rogan. Um, it's a money thing for her. She doesn't like the fact that money was raised on the backs of what appears to be musicians, especially according to NDRE's words, uh, black music that has made Spotify this multi-million dollar company. And then they turn around and they spend it instead of the artists that built their, their business, they spend it on a podcaster. Now, Spotify has the right to do whatever they want to do. And it does seem like they kind of branched out. They did use the income earned from musicians. And they used it to branch out their business, to buy a podcast, uh, to turn it into another making revenue. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I also understand from the musician's perspective how they can be jealous of this. Uh, there's some lesser known bands that I've seen that have come out in this that are not really in the media. Uh, a Failure, the band Failure, great band Failure. They're taking all their music. They own all their music and they're taking all their music off of Spotify and they want people to to buy their music, to go to Bandcamp and uh, download high-resolution files of their music uh, that they can actually make more than 0. .0038 cents per uh, play. It The whole streaming thing, I mean, the person that's got screwed over this and this whole streaming thing is the musicians. And if musicians would stand up as a whole, I'm not talking about the Joe Rogan incident, I'm just talking about streaming platforms in general. Now, a lot of these artists, they don't even own their music, right? So they have no say whether or not it gets played on Spotify or Tidal. But then for the people that do own their music, if everybody would just jump up and boycott these flat fee services, whether it's Spotify, Tidal, Amazon Music, all these things, and get back to where you actually have to purchase music, I think it'd be a benefit for all. Now, at the same time, I enjoy getting music for free. I mean, I grew up in a generation where I had to pay, it started at $10 and $11.95, then $15.95 for a CD. Uh, well, I mean, I started back in records and tapes. And so I understand the expense of of, of purchasing music. It, it, it sucks, but I also gave music more of a chance back then because when you're a kid and you're spending, you're buying one CD a week, you know, even if, you know, you're taking a gamble on this artist, you're, you're, you're opening up, you're listening to the album in its full entire context from front to back. You're reading the liner notes, you're seeing who produced it, who played on it, and you're much more invested into the music. And I've said this before, I mean, there's plenty of albums out there that I never gave, uh, 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 well, on the first listen th and listen through of the album. I wasn't a huge fan, but as I kept listening, because I had to purchase it, I was invested in this music. There wasn't a waterfall of music coming from everywhere. As I continued to listen to this album, they became my favorite albums of all time. It kind of grew on you. Today, in the Spotify generation, the title, the Amazon music generation, music just doesn't get that chance. It really doesn't get that chance. So for the art of music, 
you know, uh, I believe it would be better if, if, if people actually had to buy music and invest in the music. Does it need to be fifteen dollars? No, I think in the in the in the dig, in the digital the digital climate that we're in, I think artists could definitely cut their prices on the music because they weren't making much money from the record labels anyway. So what were they making? Like two dollars for a whole CD for each CD sold, or a dollar, or something like that. Um. So I think there's I think what India Re is saying, she's pissed. You know musicians and she's speaking i don't when i'm listening to her i don't listen to it as the voice of indy re i listen to it as a voice of a lot of musicians that are coming across that have totally been kind of almost screwed by these music playing platforms music you know platforms like spotify and uh i i know i i think for the art for the musicians it would be better if you had to buy you know so what? Coldplay comes up with a new album. You buy it off their website or whatever for a dollar for the whole album. Coldplay is going to make way more money off of you buying that album for a dollar than they would after uh, of you playing it on Spotify. You know, even just that act alone, they're going to generate so much more money for themselves. Invest in the music a dollar. I mean, I could. I think most people can afford a dollar an album. You know, you spend ten bucks a week. That's ten full albums. I know this isn't going to be a popular opinion. I know it's not going to be a popular opinion at all, but I think, um, you know, I think musicians have been getting screwed for a long time. You know, maybe in hindsight, Lars Ulrich was right. But the, the thing is, is about this, we want to talk about, you know, I think artists feel like they have to be on Spotify. They have to be on Tidal. And pretty much, if everybody else is on there, you have to be on there too. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to compete. You have to be on the platforms where your where your art gets out there with everybody else, because there's plenty of people that they only listen to their music on Spotify. And if it's not on Spotify, they're not going to find it. They're not going to go to some other platform to find your music. You know, whether it's Apple Music or whatever, they're on that platform. All of their search for music is on that platform. And if your music is not on that platform, they will never find you. But if the business model of Apple and Spotify and Tidal was changed where it was reasonably priced, cheap downloads that go more to the artist, but, you know, they're still going to want to get their cut. You know, they're still going to want to get their cut. It is, it's, it's a complicated mess. It's a complicated mess, but I agree that something needs to change, but it's only going to change if artists together stand up, which I don't think they will. I really don't think they will, but it's only going to change if artists stand up, group together, hand in hand, and they say, you know what? Screw this. We're out. I don't think it's going to happen. But I believe IndyRE speaks as a voice of a lot of people, and I believe she has the right to say that. I believe she has the right to run her career. Her, the, a musician, they have the right to run their career and to profit off of it fairly. I understand that. It's just that the parameters that are in place in today's society, it makes it really, really tough. Interesting words from IndyRE. When I first clicked on it, I thought, well, where's this going? What kind of, but you know what? She was well-spoken and she is, she's speaking some truth. And boy, did she come fire at Joe Rogan. She was not fucking around. I mean, she laid it. <laughs> I mean, props to her just for the calling out. Props to her for the calling out. She doesn't want to support. She doesn't want to support Joe Rogan. Somebody that drops the N-word, apparently, a lot. What if the context was? I don't care, but her stance... 
Her stance is that that word shouldn't come out of Joe Rogan's mouth in any circumstance. And she is, this is America. She has that right to believe that. And if she doesn't want to support that, that is all on her. So props to her. Do I think she's going to win in this? Do I think that she's going to make a huge difference? I don't know, but it's got to start somewhere. So, I mean, I'll, I'll props to Indy RE. Joe, man, you know, I maybe should have scrubbed some of your past before you got suckered into this $100 million deal. Uh, you know, pay, pay, pay an intern to go through your stuff and get rid of it. Um, I don't think Joe's a racist. I've listened to him enough. I, I really don't think he's a racist. I think he slipped up. He said some dumb shit. Uh, maybe he does need to give a little apology for that. Will he? I don't know. And I'm usually not the person that's saying, hey, you should apologize for this, that, or the other. In fact, I'm usually of the thing of of the of the mindset that don't apologize for jack shit. Just go on, do your thing. The second you start apologizing and uh, bowing down towards the cancel culture generation, uh, you're you're just screwing yourself over. Um, I don't know how much traction this video from NDRE is going to get. And I, and I think it's one of those situations where a lot of people, there's a line drawn in the sand, okay? You have the people that support Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan unconditionally, they don't care. And then the people that support Neil Young and this other movement, even though there's nuances and intricacies of there's different reasons why people are getting out of Spotify, it's not all about misinformation and Joe Rogan. This just kind of opened the door to create this snowball effect that's of this avalanche that's going down. But just like our political system and just like everything else in this world, uh, the lines have been drawn. People stand on one side or the other, and they really don't come to analyze what's going on. Um, but I think NDRE, I think she has some really great points. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very curious how much traction this is going to get. Is this going to blow up? Maybe not. Who knows? But it's interesting. Joe, I'm a big fan of you, man, and I, and you've got my support. But you need to you need to clean up some things. Apparently, otherwise, uh, yeah, you're going to have people protesting in front of your studios there in Austin. I wouldn't want to be in Joe's shoes. I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. He's got some uh, some difficult stuff. Spotify's in a tough position. I And like I said, I just can't believe before they paid $100 million, they didn't analyze his back catalog and go through it and say, hey, you know, uh, here's the deal. We know you've been doing this in your in your whatever room. You've got tons of listeners we need to make sure before we sign this contract on $100 million that we kind of clean up some of these kind of loose ends in the past. We don't want them to come back and haunt you. And for Spotify, for our own protection, we don't want it coming back to bite us in the ass. And they could have they could have cleaned it up, but they did it because that takes work. Even though when you're going to spend $100 million, I think putting 10 interns on it to go through all this stuff and find things would have been well worth it, but they didn't. And so here we are today. Here we are today, and it's coming back to bite him in the ass. I don't think it's going to make any difference to Joe Rogan and his audience. I think Joe Rogan's audience is knows, like, they know Joe's not a racist. They, they just know that. And I don't think it's going to make any difference in his listenership. But what it is going to do, it is going to fuel the leftists that are after his ass. It's going to give them lots of ammo to come after him and make attacks. And it's going to put them in a position where, you know, the door's been open for some extreme stuff as far as protest in front of Spotify, protest in front of Joe Rogan. It, watch. I'm just, I don't know if it's going to happen. I'm just kind of sitting back waiting and watching because definitely the fuel, the ammunition is there uh, to make a little uproar over Mr. Rogan. <laughs> Good luck to you, Joe.
Uh, yeah, I noticed you took vacation this week. I don't know if that was just to get out of the kitchen or what. No, actually, I think he had some work or something, but he, he, he took a vacation this week. He'll be back on Monday. I'll tell you what, I'm going to be tuning in. I want to hear what he has to say about all this. I mean, when shit's hitting the fan, I want to know. I want to know what's going on. The former banjo player for uh, Mumford & Sons, his name is Winston Marshall, and he's written a lot of pieces. And there, he has his he has this long article out on his Substack. Uh, if you look up Winston Marshall, that's his name, and the title of this um, essay that he wrote is When Artists Become the Censors. He makes some very uh, interesting points as I clicked out of it. Um, now, he just wrote this on February 3rd, which what was that, yesterday? Um, it's a very... Well, what he's doing, basically, and and I, I would read the whole thing, except it's very long. Uh, but what he does is he starts off this article and he's talking about how Russia, um, the Soviet Union, would censor its artists. And then back in the 80s, they made it that um, if you wanted to tour in the USSR, you had your your live music set had to uh, had to contain 80 percent of the music that was not yours, but from the written by the state-sanctioned Union of Composers, um, just to make sure that at least 80% of your set was not, you know, anti-USSR, Russia, whatever. Uh, so anyways, he, he goes through this history of the USSR and how it censored uh, music uh, to, to a very, very, very high degree, and how certain artists became blacklisted and then um, music critics that highlighted blacklisted artists they they were blacklisted and it was just the complete censorship in their music scene and um you know then he could he can, he can kind of compares that then he goes into how back in the 80s late 80s and 90s you know Tipper Gore and the PMRC uh, which was the Parents Music Resource Center uh, which uh, created the advisory stickers that went on um albums you know and, and and remember here's the lyrics from ice t uh when he was talking to tipper when all this was going down he's all yo tip what's the matter you ain't getting no dick you're bitching about rock and roll that's censorship dumb bitch the constitution says we all got a right to speak say what we want tip your argument is weak yeah that that created a whole uproar but i am going to read this tail end of this article from winston marshall ex-banjo player from Mumford & Sons. He said, uh, well, I don't need to recap the whole Neil Young. We know what's going on there. Uh, what he says here down at the end, of course, Spotify is a private company. They're under no obligation to platform anybody. So while this campaign doesn't breach Rogan's First Amendment rights, it is a clear stand against the cultural norm of free speech and those standing passionately against speech. A growing list that includes Joni Mitchell, Harry and Meghan, the comedian Stuart Lee, the singer India R.E., and Young's old bandmates Crosby, Stills, and Nash, who were all apparently liberals. Isn't that strange? How can any artist possibly create without free speech? How are they supposed to be artists if they're scared that making a mistake or taking a risk that another artist doesn't like will get them kicked off the very platform that allows them to share their art in the first place? And I think that's a key, a key ingredient to this argument. Who would have ever thought that the censorship today would be coming from the artists themselves. Now, I think he hasn't missed, I think he hasn't messed up here when he's lumping India RE in there because in, we just heard from India RE and she has her own reasons of why 
Uh, she doesn't want to support Spotify. And so do another, a lot of other musicians. But it is a good point. It is this cannibalism in the music industry uh, where it's not really about the artist anymore. It's not the family of the artist. It's basically left versus right, which blows my mind because Joe Rogan is a moderate. He's not ultra conservative. He's a moderate. And um, but because he doesn't toe the line of the extreme leftist idealism of a lot of musicians, a lot of artists, he's going to get slammed. He's going to get slammed every time. Anyways, uh, and once again, that article was by Winston Marshall. You can find it on Substack. And the title of the article artic, article is When Artists Become the Censors. And uh, I definitely say check that out. It's an interesting read. It's only, you know, a couple pages long. Well, to lighten things up, now I want to read a story, a heartwarming story about childbirth and babies and all that kind of stuff. Something to really, you know, let's let's join around the campfire, kids, and let me uh, let me break this down for you. Mike and Janine Harvey. Well, Mike and Janine Harvey went to an Akron City Hospital fertility clinic in 1991 for help getting pregnant. The couple said Dr. Nicholas Spiritos performed intrauterine insemination. I can't pronounce that word, but it basically what it is, it's injecting Mike's sperm directly into Janine's uterus to increase the chances of pregnancy. The couple soon got pregnant. Oh, congratulations. That's a warm, fuzzy feeling you're feeling right now. The couple soon got pregnant and their daughter, Jessica, was born. Jessica told CBS News consumer investigative correspondent Anda Werner that she grew up proud of her Italian heritage, especially on her father's side. Uh, Jessica is speaking here and she says, my entire life, I have always been so passionate, so proud of my heritage on both sides where I came from, how my ancestors got here. What makes me today, according to Jessica? Jessica planned to celebrate her 30th birthday in Italy. To help trace relatives there, she took an ancestry DNA test in December 2020 and soon got the shock of her life. Jessica says, the test comes back. I'm sitting at my desk at work. I opened up and see some English. There's Irish, Welsh, German. And I'm like, where's the Italian? Maybe Sicilian. What? What? Nothing? Jessica said her stomach just dropped, and I knew something was, I knew something was wrong from the get-go. She says the test showed no connection to her father, and another test from LabCorp confirmed that there was a 0% chance she was related to her father. The news shocked her family. Jessica says, I'm like, wait a minute. I carried a total stranger's child, you know, for nine months. And who in the world is the other half of this child belonging to? That's what Janine said. I screwed that up, but that was Janine, the mother. The couple is suing Dr. Nicholas Spiritos and Suma Health System, claiming that Spiritos injected sperm from a different man, who the complaint says, along with his wife, was undergoing fertility treatments with the same doctor at the same time as the Harveys. It shouldn't be that the fertility clinic transferred some stranger's sperm into Miss Harvey's body, said family attorney Adam Wolf. That is not okay. It's not okay under the law. It's not okay under any sense of medical ethics, and it shouldn't happen ever. Dr. Spiritos did not respond to our request for a comment. A Summa Health System spokesperson said in a statement, 
We take this allegation seriously and understand the impact this is this has had on the family. At this point, we have not met with the family or conducted testing of our own. In its statement, Summa Health System also said it has very limited information, and given the amount of time that has passed, it remains our hope that the attorneys representing the family will work with us to make to make that to, to make the next step a priority. Uh, let's see. Professor Do, uh, Dove Fox, who directs the University of San Diego Center for Health Law Policy and Bioethics, said these cases can be tough to win in court. Uh, this attorney says courts tend to say something like, you wanted a kid, you got a kid, even a healthy one, so what are you complaining about? How are you worse off than you otherwise would have been? The attorney also said that, he says, 24 states have bans on suing over so, so-called wrongful births. Fox believes there should be a way for parents to sue over problems with procedures like fertility treatments, even if a healthy child is born. Uh, the Harveys said they want changes in the regulation of fertility industry. Uh, I mean, I would be pissed too, but what are you going to do? You've already established a whole life with this kid. The kid was, how old was it when he was wanting to go to Italy? I mean, I, I saw the video. She's full grown. It's a beautiful girl. Uh, it is what it is. Now, I think there should be some slap on the wrist. Obviously, there is a mistake that was made. You can't just not punish these doctors when they do something this crazy. Um, otherwise, they're just going to, when there's no consequence, you know, then there's no uh, caution. And so there needs to be some type of a consequence. I mean, the same thing like, uh, you know, let for instance, let's say when the government um, makes it so Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson and all these other drug companies that come up with a COVID-19 vaccine, when they pass regulation that says, okay, no matter what happens, uh, you, you, you're, you're going to be protected. You're not going to get sued. Just get us this vaccine ASAP. Uh, so they, you know, they can basically throw caution to the wind. In that same type of situation, I think doctors should be held accountable to a certain degree. But at the same time, I agree with the courts. You got a healthy kid. Uh, you know, what you bitching about? Well, I'm bitching about that she thought she was Italian and she has none of the father's DNA in her. Uh, yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem. But I mean, what can you possibly do to correct that? I mean, yeah, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? A retroactive abortion? Uh, okay, let's get, rid, let's get rid of this one and let's do it again with the proper DNA. You know, that's not going to happen. I mean, I guess it could happen. But it is what it is. It is an interesting story. It's sad. Sucks to be you. But I mean, come on. You guys raised her. She was born from the mother. The father is a little questionable. Maybe it was the doctor himself. Who knows? Allegedly. Allegedly. I don't know. But uh, it is what it is. How'd you do, I? See, you've met my... Faithful. Oh, we know what this song means. It means we got some uh, trans news. Don't get strung up by the way I look. Okay, well, yeah, this is probably going to come back to haunt me like Joe Rogan. Uh, anyways, there's this this swimmer from the Penn State University. I believe it's Penn State University. Uh, Pennsylvania women's swim team, uh, Leah Thomas. Okay. She's been all over the news. Uh, Leah, Leah Thomas, 22, who spent the previous three years swimming with the men's team before she began transitioning to a woman has created an uneasy environment in the locker room. 
as she still retains her biological male genitalia, which are sometimes exposed. And Leah, even though she's transitioning to female, is attracted to women. One teammate told the Daily Mail, (laughs) you know, accurate stuff here in an interview. It's definitely awkward because Leah still has male body parts and is still attracted to women, the swimmer said. Thomas has reportedly told her teammates that she dates women. The swimmer told the outlet that other team members have spoken to the team's coaches about possibly getting Thomas to change elsewhere from the rest of the team, but those discussions haven't gone anywhere. Now, Leah Thomas, who looks like Michael Phelps in a girl's bathing suit with shoulders as broad as a brick house, is dominating. As she... <laughs> okay. I Okay, I can't laugh. I'm surprised her penis and her Adam's apple doesn't slow her down when she's swimming. <laughs> the extra drag that's created there. Uh, but she's dominating. Um, you know, she 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 did she did uh go through the NCAA's rules regarding um uh taking supplements to uh knock down her testosterone and all this other kind of stuff. Uh, she's already sparked a nationwide con- conversation. This is uh, Channel 3 News, NBC, <coughs> out of Pennsylvania. Uh, Leah Thomas, 22, has already sparked a nationwide conversation about fairness in women's sports after she repeatedly dominated meets. She was born biologically male and competed for her college's men's team before transitioning. Thomas has been in compliance with the NCAA's policy for transgender athletes, after taking testosterone suppressants for over one year. Thomas is then allowed to compete as a woman. Following the outcry, the NCAA changed part of its policy, adopting a sport-by-sport approach for transgender athletes, similar to the Olympics policy. Transgender participation for each sport would be determined by the sport's national governing body, which would then be subject to review by a committee appointed by the NCAA's Board of Governors. For Thomas, this means USA Swimming's rules are the standard, and now USA Swimming has updated its athlete inclusion, competitive, equity, and eligibility policy. In its policy change, USA Swimming acknowledges a competitive difference in the male and female categories and the disadvantages this presents in elite head-to-head competition. The competitive difference is supported by statistical data according to USA Swimming. This is a quote from them. At the elite level, a policy has been created for transgender athlete participation in the U.S. that relies on science and medical evidence-based methods to provide a level playing field for elite cisgender women and to mitigate the advantages associated with male puberty and physiology. That was from the USA Swimming, uh, whatever, group. Three independent medical experts will comprise a decision-making panel who will be evaluating transgender athlete eligibility based upon a couple of pieces of evidence. They are, according to the USA Swimming's new policy, firstly, evidence that the prior physical development of the athlete as a male, as mitigated by any medical intervention, does not give the athlete a competitive advantage over the athlete's cisgender female competitors. Evidence that the concentration of testosterone in the athlete's serum has been less than 5 nmol, I don't know what that unit of measurement is, as measured by liquid 
chromatography coupled with mass spectrometry continuously for a period of at least 36 months. So they have to have a low level of, of T, testosterone, for at least 36 months before the date of application. If the NCAA follows USA Swimming's policy with no changes, then Thomas will not be able to compete in the NCAA championship. Thomas reportedly only began transitioning in May of 2019 and therefore has been taking testosterone supplements for roughly 32 months, if that. About time. About time somebody stepped up and did something like that because, you know, I don't care about transgender. I don't care about you. You could be a unicorn. You can do whatever you want which we're seeing all over the place, you know, pronouns are clown and unicorn and fluffy animal. It's all over. The, but anyways, let's not get off the point. Um, I don't care what you choose to do with your body and who you want to identify as, but I do care when you're competing in women's sports and you definitely have an unfair advantage. That's just not right. The fact that this has gone on so long where she's been dominating in the NCAA when the last three years she was competing as a male and now she's just kicking the crap out of these women, it is very unfair. It shouldn't be happening. We should do better than that. And we should, you know, fix this, fix this. This is not right. We know it's not right. We know this is not acceptable. It's not fair to other women. You know, it's just not fair. And we have to do something about it. And it's good to see that the NCAA is finally doing something about it. We'll see what happens with that. But it doesn't look like Leah... Thomas is going to be able to uh, compete in the NCAA championships, which I don't think she should. I don't think she should. Sorry, Leah. I apologize to your Adam's apple and everything else, but you can't do that. You just can't do that. No, I won't do that. Hi, my name is Anna. I am dating everybody in the polycule. I am married to Jake. We've been together for eight years and married for three. I'm dating Spencer. We've been together for three and a half. And I am dating Ellie. And we've been together just over a month now. I am bisexual and my pronouns are she, her. I'm also in charge of this account and in general. Hi, I'm Jake. I'm married to Anna and she's currently my only partner. I am demi-romantic, which means I only get a feelings for people, like romantic feelings for people if I've been around them for a while and get to know them really well. And I'm technically pansexual, but I like the bi colors more, so I call myself bisexual. Uh, my pronouns are he, they. Hi, I'm Ellie. I'm dating Anna. I'm not currently dating anybody else. Um, I'm some flavor of queer. Yeah. And my pronouns are she, her. I'm Spencer. I'm only dating Anna. Um, I'm bi, but like bi. Um, my pronouns are they, them. And uh, my gender is... Wait. Oh, he's having a problem with this. Wait. I thought your pronouns were he, they. Even he got confused. <laughs> Are you having a realization? I don't know. Uh, my yes. gender is to be determined. To be determined. 
Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, yeah, exciting news in the world of Anna. It seems like she's got her hands full. It seems like she's uh, uh, she's dating quite a few there in her, what does she call it? She called it some polycube or something like that, where she's got like, you know, four, three or four different mates. Uh, and she's a boss and she's in charge. Very, very nice to know. I like to see the way this new generation is, uh, you know, forget the 60s and free love. This is a whole different level. Um uh, yeah, whatever floats your boat. Have fun with that. Uh, it seems like a very confused group of college kids, but, you know, who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? I just find it interesting. Uh, Polly Q. What was that called? Hold on. Let me rewind this a little bit. I got to figure out what that relationship is called. I'm going to, let's, let's see. Let's hold on. Let's, let me get this, move that, move this. All right. What was that called again? Anna, can you clarify that for me? Hi, my name is Anna. I am dating everybody in the polycule. I am married. Polycule, the polycule. That's a new one. I like to expand my horizons on the show and and, and and learn new things daily in polycule, polycule, polycule. That's a new one for me. Polycule. I'm going to have to put that in my vocabulary. Come join the polycule with Anna. Uh, Anna, um, how many people was she dating? One, two, three, like four. And one guy was dressed like a cat and he had cat ears on in a... Yeah. Yeah. I bet you she hates Joe Rogan. 100%. 100%. She's got no room in her life for Joe. Rogan. I wish I could get Anna on the phone. Um, if she could, you know, take some time away from, uh, being violated by all of her partners. Um, we used to have a word for this back in my day, uh, back in my day, it, Anna would have been the recipient of, of a gangbang. That's what we'd call it. But now it's a polycue. Polycue. Good to know. Have fun there, Anna. Hopefully you don't catch anything. Uh, hopefully you don't get pregnant. Otherwise, you're you're going to have a harder time finding the father than that story we covered uh, earlier from the sperm bank. It's going to be very difficult. Just interesting. Damn, this world's going to shit. Well, hot off the press from New York, February 2nd. And this is according to, what is this? The UPI. Anyways, this news story is, uh, I found a little bit of intriguing, intriguing. A New York zoo announced a mated pair of male penguins have become the facility's first same-sex penguin couple to become parents. The Rosamund Gifford Zoo in Syracuse said Humboldt penguins, Elmer and Lima, were chosen as foster parents for an egg taken from a breeding pair with a history of inadvertently breaking their eggs. So Elmer and Lima, a gay couple of penguins, I guess that's the only word you use for it, right? I don't even know where the politically correct line is in this. It's two male penguins. Do I call them gay? Is this a gaggle of gay penguins? I don't know. The zoo said Elmer hatched in 2016 and Lima hatched in 2019. Um, they incubated the egg for several weeks and it hatched into a healthy chick. Officials said Elmer and Lima have been warming and feeding the chick in the same way a successful breeding pair would. The zoo said Elmer and Lima, the zoo's first same-sex penguin parents, were tested with a dummy egg before becoming foster parents. Some pairs, when given a dummy egg, will sit on the nest but leave the egg to the side and not incubate it correctly, or they'll fight for who is going to sit on it. When the zoo director, Ted Fox, said, uh, he said in the zoo's announcement, that's how we evaluate who will be a good foster parent, and Elmer and Lima were exemplary in every aspect of egg care. Uh, they also had the most uh, uh, properly well-decorated nest, uh, so the environment is very, very healthy for them. 
Um, they are they have exquisite taste. Uh, they both are prim and proper. And Elmer and Lima, the gay penguins, are the new foster parents at the Roseman Gifford Zoo in Syracuse, New York. Uh, congratulations to Elmer and Lima, the gay penguin parents. I feel like a douchebag even saying that. I mean, at first, you're, what you're a little name? nervous, right? Or a little like, can I do this? Is this, is this appropriate? <laughs> you feel lighter. You feel a complete oh, we got a release. Um, you feel, it's, it's nice to feel out of control. You want to chatter, buddy? All right. Let me... Back in 2020, when we went into pandemic quarantine for the first time, I went instantly went remote with all my clients and started having conversation after conversation about the struggles that women and moms were having. One plus two makes So what's three. the answer? I also have two little kids, so I was living what they were talking about. We were stuck at home. We couldn't see the people that helped us. Even therapy sessions were via Zoom. I could feel their anger through the screen. I could sense it in my own body connecting to theirs. And I would say to them, we just need to go into a field and scream. That was where it started. And then a year later, when we were still stuck in this pandemic, still experiencing a lot of the same overwhelm, we did it again um, in January of 2022. I left my corporate job because it became so difficult to manage having two little kids at home and the unpredictability of having daycares close and what are you going to do with them. I have a one-year-old and a four-year-old and we have constant quarantines. The kids can't get vaccines either. Just when you think that you get over the hump, you have to start over again. I actually had my second baby on March 11th, 2020, when the pandemic was officially a pandemic. And it's just been so difficult with daycares closing, schools closing, events getting canceled. I've been in a really dark place. It's been really hard. This is bigger than just us, right? This is really about all moms, all women, all humans in the pandemic that have been living these intense emotions that we've had nowhere to put. One, two, three, go. Even though I don't. Well, primal screaming is the answer. I mean, that's just a perfect way to cap off this uh, 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 outrageous news day that we have going on today. Primal screaming. Yeah. Well, this is Jake from Radio Underland. I, I can't, I cannot handle reading any more of these crazy news stories. I'm going to have to take a break from this and presume my weekend. I will see you guys Monday. Uh, God willing, and the creek don't rise kind of a situation uh, because my wife is getting pretty close to delivering. And, uh, yeah, so if I'm not here on Monday, it's because I'm probably in labor, or my wife is. Uh, I guess I could podcast from there, from inside the labor delivery room. I'm sure my wife would really love that. Anyways, it's Jake with Radio Underland. Share us to your liberal friends, or your conservative friends, or your moderate friends. Or if you if you made it this far in the episode, you must be kind of entertained. So just uh, spread the word, and we just try and capture some of what's going on in the news. This is Jake. It's been great. Congratulations to the gay penguins, transgender swimmers, everybody else we covered on this topic, on this show, and I will see you later.